As uh, mentioned, I'm Don Ward, a friend of Essen, and uh, for a long time, it's been a great uh, opportunity to be with you all this weekend, and those of you who are able to come, uh, great to meet you, and uh, if you're interested in what we talked about, I understand that it will be uh, online, and uh, I know I, for one, am going to look for my wife's talk to the men, and I uh, want to hear what she had to, what she had to say. But uh, let's come together and read the Word of God from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. Hear the Word of the Lord. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Pray with me. God, our Father in heaven, we pray for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to be among us this morning as we think about this scripture and ask that you would fill us to all your fullness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So at our uh, marriage seminar this uh, weekend, we talked about the gap. We talked about the fact that uh, when we think about marriage, we look at passages like Genesis 2, and and there's this high expectation, but then there's this reality uh, that we experience that's different. And even people that don't believe in God and don't know the scriptures also experience uh, both that hope and desire and they experience that uh, gap. And uh, whether it's marriage or some other aspect of life, you know, you can kind of look at that chart and realize that all of us are in the the same boat there, that there's uh, aspects of our um, life that uh, don't measure up. Um, Another way to think about what we're talking about is our our gas gauge. Um, Think about your life today and kind of where you're at in terms of your, um, your life. Are, are you kind of running on empty? You know, you get, have you ever been in a car where, where you're like, maybe you've run out. I've actually run out of gas, I think, once. But, you know, where you're just praying that you're going you're gonna to make it to the next uh, gas station. I feel like we run life that way sometimes, that we never quite fill up all the way. Uh, you know, it's almost like we buy five bucks worth of gas and hope for the best. And, um, and, and, and yet, here we are at this prayer, and God is talking to us in this prayer about fullness. And so we are going to really look at one thing. Uh, we're going to talk about what it is to be filled with all the fullness of God. Because if we can figure that out, if we can begin to experience that, then we are uh, going to have plenty uh, to love our spouses, those of us who are, who are married, uh, to let, you know, we talked about mercy moving into the gap between our expectations and our, um, you know, and our experience. And uh, so w- this is what we're going to fo- focus on. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness and power that comes from God. That's the New Living Translation. And sometimes I like that one just because I'm so familiar with this passage. It, it just is a little different uh, way to say the same thing. So when you think of this whole prayer, and I'd invite you later to go back and read again this whole scripture that we looked at, the whole direction and purpose of this prayer is to give you the fullness of God. 
Uh, it's that you might know the love of Christ, but kind of look at the, uh, if you look at the passage in your bulletin, you'll see there's a process that you go through kind of step by step. He's praying for the Christians that God would give them a grant or a gift out of his glorious riches. I mean, if someone's going to give you a gift, you want your rich uncle to give you one, not your poor uncle, right? Uh, So out of God's glorious riches, give them this gift to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being. So that's kind of like, you know, an old farmhouse that's kind of rickety. We're going to go back in there and we're going to build it up. We're going to strengthen it. We're going to put a lot of girders and beams in there. We're going to re... Uh, He's praying for you to be reconstructed with the inside so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, not just a little bit, but a lot and permanently, that you may be rooted and grounded in love and then have strength to comprehend with the saints the love of Christ that's so vast, all to the end that you might be filled to all the fullness of God. Now that seems a little bit hard for us to believe maybe that God wants you and I to be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. He put a prayer in the Bible to that end, that we might know God in all his fullness. Let's look at another passage that says the same kind of thing a little bit later in Ephesians. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. It's a prayer to be, or a command to be filled with the Spirit. If you were to go and look at the, the phrasing there where he says, uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's, a, it's an original language uh, tense that, that is a command, it's an imperative, but it's also, there's a permissive aspect to it. It, it, it could be translated, let yourself be continually filled with the fullness of God or the fullness of the Spirit. That's kind of a weird way to phrase things. Let yourself... So it's God doing it, but you have a part in it. You either allow it or you get in the way, and we learn getting drunk gets in the way here. Uh, You let yourself be filled with the Spirit of God. And then in Corinthians, he says, says, uh, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more uh, like him as we are changed into his glorious image. uh, Do you remember that story in the Old Testament where Moses would go and meet in this tent with God. And he would, in the presence of God, would fill the tent and he put this veil on so that when he came out, his radiant face wouldn't kind of make everyone turn away. But Paul tells us there's another aspect of that veil and that is that the glory faded. That it, over time, it wasn't as bright and he didn't want people to see that. And so he uses that image to say the Holy Spirit wants to do a transforming work in my life and your life so that with unveiled faces, uh, we are more and more changed into his glorious image. God wants you, God wants me to be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Let's think about heaven for a minute. It's a good thing to think about. We are doing at our church, doing a worship series, and we're going to, uh, this week, uh, even as we speak, our assistant pastor is preaching on that um, on that on a text of Revelation 4, and next week I'm doing Revelation 5. And, you know, I look at that, and it's just majestic. Heaven is so glorious and beautiful. Uh, and it's going to be, when you get there, a beautiful, God-filled life. Like, sometimes I try to get close to God. Sometimes I crack open, crack open my Bible, and I just kind of read the words. 
and nothing sort of happens intellectually or emotionally. It's just, well, I did it. I, I did it because I want to grow, but yeah, I didn't feel close to God. There'll never be a day in heaven like that. Um, you know, I don't know what the schedule looks like, but I know that you're never going to be bored. Uh, you're never going to not be filled with God. And your relationships are going to be awesome. You know, you're, you're not going to be like what it's like today where you, you go into a, a social situation and you feel like an outsider. You feel awkward. Maybe some of you are new to the church and it doesn't feel completely like home yet. You know, get in one of those small groups maybe that were on the screen. Uh, maybe you'll find a little bit of family. But it takes a while and and even within the church I've been a part of for 19 years, things happen and I feel like an outsider. I feel like I'm not a part of the in crowd or the in group. That's not going to happen in heaven. What if we could enjoy some of the life of heaven now? Let me illustrate it another way. There's something in the Bible called, in the book of Revelation called the wedding feast of the Lamb. Now, I don't know a whole lot about heaven, but I like the idea of a feast. That sounds great. I love feasts, uh, as you might be able to tell. You know, uh, I'm not a slender man. Um, I love a good feast. And I remember um, as a pastor, you know, you get to go to a lot of weddings. And you do a lot of weddings. And I did this wedding, and uh, the reception was at the uh, Kingsmill Country Club in Williamsburg, which if you've ever been there, it's beautiful. And so it was in this glorious building, and it looked out over this beautiful golf course. And... uh, I guess mom and dad, money wasn't an issue for them because we walk into the place and the appetizers were giant scallops, all you can eat. I'm from Hampton, Virginia. That's kind of seafood part of the state. Yes, please, I'll have another. Isn't that your 18th? Yes, but it's all you can eat. You know, giant scallops. And it just got better from that point on the, this wedding feast. And so there's this wedding feast that's going to happen in heaven. And I don't know if the special thing is going to be the food, but what if, what if we could have a foretaste of things to come? That's exactly what Paul is talking about here. He wants us individually and corporately, and he talks about both of those really. He says, together with all the saints, he wants us to have a taste of the life to come, to be filled to all the fullness of God. Well, what does that look like and how do we get there? Great questions to think about a little bit. Um, I, I know a few years ago, it was a number of years ago, I remember a friend of mine that loved to talk about, let's run hard after God. And there was even, I think, a song or something that had that phrase in it that some churches were doing. Now, I used to do some running uh, to make up for the feasts. Uh, that I like to go to. Um, and uh, running hard means exhaustion. Like if you run hard, there's only one possible result. You're not going to feel better at the end. And I mean, you're going to feel exhilarated. You'll have a runner's eye and all that. But if you run your best, fastest time, you'll be exhausted. As my wife found out, if I ran a 5K and, oh man, I was personal best, 20, you know, 48 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, a little faster than that. But, you know, I would be exhausted the rest of the day. And I think a lot of Christians, that's how they live their life. They hear a passage like this, God wants you to be filled, and they immediately think, there's all this stuff we got to do. We got to run hard. We got to try hard. We got to get it going. But 
this prayer teaches us that this fullness of the love of Christ is a gift. Paul says, God, give them a gift out of your glorious riches, out of your infinite resources. Grant them this spiritual strengthening. Grant them this process. It's a gift. It's merciful and gracious. So that should tell you what your effort should look like. You should try hard to receive from God all that he has. You should be passive while you're asking for it in a way. And this prayer and this process doesn't sound like something that if it happened in my life would make me more impressive or more famous. You know, cover of the PCA magazine. Don Ward filled to the fullness of God. Better on profile? Better this way. You know, what's the picture going to be? You know, that's not how it's going to be. And in fact, when we think about people that it seems like their life was filled with God, they poured out their life for God. They, they weren't, in a sense, running hard after God. They saw that God was running hard after them, and, and they, they were overwhelmed by his love for them, and they, they went on to do great things in love for Christ. I think about um, William Wilberforce. Do you know that name? William Wilberforce was a politician in the 1700s in England, uh, he was a very wealthy man, a, a privilege. Um, he was in the House of Lords as a very young man. And he was a partier. He was a, he was a, you know, we won't go into all the things in polite company that he was about, but he was in that social scene of the wealthy and of the beautiful, and he was enjoying that. But he fell under conviction, and he was thoroughly converted and became a follower of Jesus Christ. He was uh, someone who knew the author of Amazing Grace. They had a, a, an important connection. Eric Metaxas's book called Amazing Grace would help you learn about his life. He was profoundly touched by the grace of God, and he began to pour out his life for the poorest of the poor in his society, the slaves in English society. He, he used all of his efforts. He had other social causes, too, that were important to him, especially concern for the poor. And, uh, but he fought with all his might to end this, the slave trade in the British colonies. And he was still in uh, the legislature when they passed the bill to end slavery. And on his deathbed, word got to him that slavery had been abolished in England. I think of a man like Chuck Colson, who during the Watergate time was, was one of the most ruthless uh, Nixon henchmen. And yet he too, fell under conviction of his sin and, and believed in Jesus Christ and spent most of his life serving, our, you know, serving prison, serving prisoners, these, these people that he got to know as a prisoner himself. He saw their need for compassion and for the gospel, and he spent his life that way. This weekend, a number of us have been getting together and thinking about the gap between what our dreams and hopes are for marriage and what we experience because we live in a fallen world. We are sinful and fallen people. If Christ would fill me, if, if I seek it and ask for it and pray for it and I grow so that I can receive it, then there's power for me to show mercy to another person, to a spouse that can be hard to love. Mercy is never deserved. You know, sometimes a spouse will be mad and say, well, my wife doesn't deserve mercy. My husband doesn't deserve mercy. Well, no one deserves mercy. <laughs> that, that's what mercy is all about. You don't get what you deserve. You get what you don't deserve. You get grace, even as, uh, even as you've received it. Well, how do we be filled with the fullness of God? Well, one issue is um, 
you know, is your tank uh, empty, really, or is it full of other things? I noticed on the way in that uh, yesterday, is it yesterday, Friday night, that you guys have a Golden Corral now. They closed our Golden Corral in Charlottesville. Um, I think, I think my, my has something to do with it. But, uh, you know, they, they closed it. And you guys have one. And you know when you go to Golden Corral and you buy the buffet, right? You're not going out of there hungry. Uh, you're going out of there full. And so imagine that you go to the Golden Corral and you take one more trip than you should have. Like, you were already full, you were already stretching it, and, but man, I, I got to get that last little bit of meat off there because it's all you can eat. And, you, and you're just so full. And you walk out the door and a limousine pulls up and someone says, congratulations, you've just won an all-you-can-eat meal at the finest restaurant in central Virginia, the finest gourmet foods, and, and a seven-course meal, and it's all for you, and you're going, I can't go. I can't pause. I don't even want to think about food again until the next meal. I mean, I am full. And you see, our life can be like that, and I'm not saying that uh, the activities of your life, you just have to get rid of them all to be filled with the fullness of God. But you know that there are things that fill us up that we uh, find enjoyable and that we find life-giving. And uh, we, um, you know, we, we are filled with those things. And there's just no space or interest, maybe, for us to be filled to all the fullness of God. And we have to address that. We have to say, how can I change my priorities my way of thinking, so that I can be filled with the fullness of God. We had a few months ago a concert. Uh, a, an artist named Audrey Assad came, and, um, and uh, she, she has a gloriously beautiful voice. She writes a number of worship songs that are popular. And uh, not a whole lot of the people from our church actually came to the concert, but it was a complete sellout, and every seat was filled. So it was all these people that knew her and knew all her songs. And our worship director... Uh, was there, and she, you know, she was sitting in the back of the room, and Audrey just has one of those just voices that, oh, just so beautiful. I'm not, you know, I, I tend to like a little more tempo than she has, but her voice is awesome. And so you're just listening to this beautiful voice. Well, worship director's in the back of the room, sitting next to some guy that is a huge Audrey Assad fan, and he knows all of her songs, and he doesn't have any pitch control. So he is just singing at the top of his lungs, off pitch, in my worship director's ear, which, ah, you know, just misery for her. And because uh, she really came to hear Audrey sing and this guy, and do you say something? Do you not say something? She didn't say something. What do you do? Pretty funny story. Um, when's the last time you had that kind of joy? I just want to blast it out. Thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. I'm off pitch, but who cares, you know? Uh, you got to love that heart, uh, that this guy was so full in that moment, hopefully full of the Lord, that he wanted to blast it out. Now, maybe some of you are here today and you go, been a long time since I just was in church and just full and wanting to sing loudly. Uh, maybe you're empty. And the great thing about God is that he can accept our honesty. And if you go home today and you take 15 or 20 minutes and you pull out your journal and you say, dear Lord, it sounds great to be filled, but I'm empty right now. It's not that I'm full of other things. I don't think I'm just dry and lifeless, and I'm just like toast without butter right now. I, I am empty. God can handle that. 
Have you read the Psalms, the things that are said in there? Help me, O God, the waters are rising against me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel that God walked away from your life. God welcomes that kind of honesty. As David writes, a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. I see some students here today, and uh, there's so much of life ahead of you, so many exciting opportunities, and soon you'll leave home. And there's so many things out there for you. It's such a smorgasbord of opportunities that you can fill your life with. There's pleasures that are available and offered to you that uh, right now you're not uh, able to just freely take of. There are going to be temptations. And what I want to tell you that the great life that God has for you, the best life that you can ever have is a life filled with the fullness of God. To come to know Jesus Christ, to see his great love for you. Oh, be filled with that. Because some of those other things that are going to tempt you, for a time, they would be great. But there's consequences and there's regrets. And you know, some of what we had to talk about in our marriage seminar was how the regrets of the past sometimes shape the present for many of us. Oh, that you would be filled to all the fullness of God. And the great thing is that his love can govern your life in such a way that it keeps you away from a lot of the things that you would later regret. What does it mean to be filled to the fullness of God? Is it just an emotional thing? Maybe we've all known Christians that were kind of like super emotional and they were just happy, joy, joy all the time and kind of like, I don't know, if that's being filled, I'm not sure that's what, what's for me. But it's, it's not just your heart. In fact, just breaking down this prayer, you'll see that it's engaging your mind and, and your thoughts and it's in what you believe and, and how you think about God. A God-filled life isn't just an emotional thing. And, and what scares you about it? Does it sound fanatical? Does it sound weird? Does it sound like you're going to be the only one that you know, that you're going to be that kid that's sort of the oddball at school if you are filled to all the fullness of God. You know, what it really is, is a, is a life of growth with God. That, that we, we take steps to invite Him in, you know, personal prayer for sure, but probably also prayer with others, since this is a prayer for corporate knowledge of the, of the love of God. And it's a prayer for God that He wants uh, to give us more of Himself, which is the very thing God wants to do. A lot of times we ask God for, for things that, aren't good for us, that wouldn't be well for us to have. This is something you can ask God for that he wants to give you. It's a process, we learn here. It's a mindset, mindset of receptivity. It's really changing your thinking about God. A lot of you kind of, uh, my wife and I have talked about this, I, I think that she struggles sometimes with thinking of God as that guy that always says no. That, that when there's something you really need, um, and boy, Lord, we really need you in this, no. It's suffering for you always, you know. And, uh, and here is a God that's actually generous with one great thing, his love. He wants you to know that, that you're loved. He wants you to experience that and taste that. And it's not just because of what you will now do for him, how productive you'll become. Though I think as his love flows in your heart, it'll flow out into your life as well. Yes, there's a gap between what we expected and dreamed of and hoped for in so many things in life and a gap between that and our experience. But there's a God who invites us to his banquet. One day we're going to go to this incredible wedding feast and we're going to all be welcomed and beloved guests. 
And he wants us to taste that now. He wants us to live life on full, full of the love of Christ. What's the one thing you would do this week? What one step might you take toward that? Carving out a little bit of time for prayer and maybe reflection, reading this or some other passage over and over again this week and just dwelling on it. What would be one step? Maybe calling a friend, saying, would you pray with me that I might know the love of Christ? What's it going to be for you? Let's pray together. It's an amazing thing to think that something so glorious and beautiful is the very thing that you want for us, that we might be filled with the fullness of God, having known your love. Have mercy on us. Grant that we might even this week take a step towards saying, Lord, fill my life with Jesus. In his name we pray.